Hey everyone, my online course on the rehabilitation of the fitness athlete with Dan Pope is on sale this week. If you want to work with higher level fitness athletes and help people get back into the gym after an injury, this is the course for you. Head to MikeRandall.com slash fitathlete to learn more and sign up this week. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show, we talk about the medial patellofemoral ligament, we talk about manual therapy, and we talk about putting together a study group in your clinic. The Ask Mike Reynolds Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. I'm up at Champion PT and Performance in Boston, Massachusetts, and I don't. We, we got a big crowd today. Big crowd. Squad. Big crowd in general right now, but we have a new physical therapist here at Champion. In his first episode, you may recognize him, <laughs> Michael Scaduto, Doctor Mike Scaduto from Northeastern University. He was a clinical student with us. How many months ago, Mike? Uh, that was I ended in April. Nice. All right, we dated. I never dated a podcast. That was my bad. I set you up for that. My bad. But um, so, uh, so uh, Mike, fantastic clinical student here. It was our, actually our first hire of a clinical student, although technically Lenny was, was my clinical <laughs> student. So maybe Lenny was the first hire. As, uh, but technically our first clinical student, which makes us super proud in a lot of ways, but also shows how, how great of a person Mike is. Like, So not to start an episode on Mike right now, but like in terms of like how you get a job, like everybody always asks, how do you get a job? Everybody says, like, you know, like how do we do our system and stuff? But you get a job by being a good person, by fitting the culture, by having a good personality, right? And, and Mike came in and we taught him all our systems and, and, and did his stuff and it's clinical. He, he mastered how to like wash tables and stuff like that. And it's pretty good. <laughs> and did a good job. But he, he was clear that he was someone that fit our system. So super proud to have you, Mike. Excited to be here. Awesome. I'm from New Jersey. That's probably the biggest thing. Awesome. Yeah. Also a Jersey guy. So. Yes. So yeah, Jersey guy. We know Super how to get along with people. That's good. So Dr. Mike Scaduto is passing towards. We're good. So Lenny Macrina, as usual, Dave Tilly, Dan Pope. In the back, we have students. We have an extra student today, which is fantastic. But new student, Matt Kelly from Dalhousie University in Prince Edward Island. Or no, that's where you're from. That's Nova Scotia. Close enough. So uh, Dalhousie <laughs> in, in Nova Scotia, uh, somewhere in North America. Uh, Travis Stepp from University of Kentucky. Kentucky. See, I started, I started saying Lexi's name already. And then Lexi Malone from uh, Simmons University or College? College. College. I'm so terrible. Whole episode of introductions. Worst, worst introduction. And that'll be so, our All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Watch this episode because I am not doing that ever again. That was, that was way too much of a, of a crowd in here, right? So anyway, so awesome questions for you today. Let's let's start off. Who's starting first? All right. I'll start it. Travis, two-step step. Bless your heart, Travis. Hey, y'all. Mallory from Wisconsin. Uh, we got a neat question. Hi, everyone. I'm, I'm a recent graduate and have been treating for about three months. I currently have three patients with medial patellofemoral ligament allografts, which is a surgery I've not seen much in school. I am having a lot of trouble with range of motion due to patient guarding and pain. I was wondering what your experiences were with this surgery and how you promoted range of motion in a way that was tolerable for the patient. So medial patellofemoral ligament of the knee joint 
um, for a new grad, and you've had a bunch. That's crazy. So you must have a surgeon in your practice or nearby that's referring yeah, those. You'll get good at it. If <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, 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 sending I, them. I, yeah, I, don't, I mean, I, don't, I mean, it's just kind of a repair, and I think just sometimes they do an allograft. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily let the allograft part like necessarily necessarily mess you up. But Len, so medial patellofemoral ligament. Right. Uh, repair, reconstruction, however you want to call it. Tight with knee range motion, not weird. Yeah. What do you think? It's not weird. Um, there's so many things I need to ask you, but it's probably a young person. Um, the chances of them getting too tight, where like in three or four months they're struggling, is probably slim. It can happen, but if they're young, they're going to get their motion back. You probably want to go slowly with them. You want them to get tight. You want them to get that stability in the knee. So. For me, I want to not get 90 degrees of flexion until probably four to six weeks out of surgery. So I don't know how far out of surgery they are where you're concerned that they're too tight. And I want to know how are you bending them. You know, hopefully you're not putting them in prone. Hopefully they're seated at the edge of the table um, and you're just slowly working on passive motion that way. Um, I don't like supine passive motion. I think it puts them in a bad position. It's a vulnerable position. So seated, easy bouts of motion. They need to be doing stuff on their own. I don't know if I want to put them on the bike yet. But I think I want somebody or somehow maybe they're coming to you more, a little more frequently for a week to get on top of the motion, and they need multiple bouts of motion uh, throughout the day somehow. You know, the only thing I would add, and maybe you have Dan, Dave kind of jump in on this one too, just briefly on this, but I feel like when you're a new clinician, one of the things you struggle with sometimes is you're either, I think it's gauging your intensity. I don't yeah, know if that's definitely. the right word. So yeah. I wonder if you're just being a little bit too cautious or a little bit, you know, less uh, aggressive is the wrong word. I don't want that to come across wrong, but like I wonder if maybe you're not pushing as hard, you know, because you gotta, you gotta figure that out. So if you have three in a row that are all super tight, you know, it's either the surgeon really tightening them up, which I, I wouldn't rule out, right. or, or perhaps like maybe you're just not doing range motion enough or and as intense I'm or, gonna, or I'm encouraging it. Flip that that you maybe you're too aggressive because you're freaking out that they're getting tight, so you're trying to push too much, which is aggravating their knee. Potentially. Freak it out. Yeah. And so, like, you're like, I know I need to get this motion. Here's the protocol. I need to get this number. This person is sitting in front of me, staring at me, like, why, am I, why is my knee killing me? And you're trying to push even harder. So, you got to gauge. You don't have the experience, which is completely fine. It'll come. You got to figure out, you know, in four to six weeks after surgery, do they have about 90 degrees or 100 degrees? If they have that, the motion usually slowly kind of comes after that. So, I don't know where they are in the process, but... Yeah, avoid the roller coaster. Yeah. Speed up, slow down, speed yeah. up, slow down. Follow the numbers and make sure you're hitting them. And, you know, just, just stay on top. With experience, I bet you, you get better yeah. at that. I think we nailed it. Good. Yeah. Let's see. We're going to mix it up? Yeah. Well, one free jump? This is fantastic. Matt, <laughs> Matt, let's do it. Matt, Kelly, mm okay. <laughs> all right, Jordan from St. Louis uh, says, Hello, guys. I know you're all big into manual therapy and soft tissue work. Do you ever find that doing just manual therapy alone isn't enough? And do you find that you need to actually stretch out the area as well after manual therapy? All right, so we're doing manual therapy. I didn't hear the question. All I heard was you stretch them out. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah. We're so diverse. Sorry. Love you. Um, that was Lenny, by the way, who has a track record. <laughs> we talked about this this morning. Um, so, uh, so is manual therapy enough? I think that's a good question. Uh, why, don't, why don't we? Why don't you guys start down this end? Uh, do, do you do manual therapy in isolation? Never. Um, <laughs> I think the biggest thing when someone comes in is you're trying to make some sort of behavioral intervention, right? There's something going on in their life that's causing them to have pain. 
So the way you address that could be multifactorial. Uh, for myself, you have to do a thorough evaluation to figure out based on the body part limitation, wherever it is. I think manual therapy is just an adjunct for that. Um, having said that, I almost never have given someone, had someone left here without some sort of exercise-based intervention, right? Um, and then obviously there's a big argument towards why manual therapy is effective. Um, people are in a pain cycle. I think what manual therapy helps do is break them out of that and then they start making progress. But I always tell people we need to make sure we change your behavior and we change something with exercise or at least the way you do your, your regular activities to make that permanent change. So I, I never see manual therapy as something that's used in isolation, but I do think it's a powerful tool you can use to kind of break that cycle and get people going. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I think, I mean, all of us can kind of say here that we see a lot of people who are doing all of one camp. They're just like all exercise or they're all manual therapy or they're all cognitive stuff. And I think, I don't know, I think that we're effective sometimes when other people aren't because we just see everything. We kind of use whatever we think is going to help the person. And I would say we all work on a spectrum that's kind of like teach them about what's going on, why they're in pain, a little manual therapy to help, little modalities if needed, then some exercise. And I think a lot of it too is just like entering them back into where they want to train for their goals at the right, you know, kind of entry point. And I think that usually people do well when they understand that like changing movement, changing behavior, like Dan said, is not one thing only and I think this is another classic example of like people living in their own camp and not being open minded to anything that's out there nailed it yeah, yeah no that was good I mean think about it from a strength and conditioning perspective somebody wants to come to the gym and get fit do you just do foam rolling with them yeah. Right now, I mean, you had you had foam rolling, mobility, some strength exercises. You kind of put it all together. So, manual therapy is always best a part of a comprehensive program. Mm -hmm. Right? Makes sense. Good. Awesome. What else we got, Lexi? You up? All right. We got Laura from Alaska. Um, she says, "Hi, Mike and team. My coworkers and I are trying to start an evidence-based study group for our eight physical therapists in our outpatient ortho clinic. We have been picking a patient chart to review." but would like to start getting more organized. Do you have any recommendations on how best to do this? Thanks. And is it possible to have the student gave a uh, guest appearance? We loved him and he was the best. With the awesome. Shout out to Gabe. Gabe. We technically have four past student reader-ers in, in the group. And, and, and wow, you're picking Gabe over Gabe. all that. Well, how's, Gabe and Aiden. How's that make you feel, Travis? Oh, I mean... Um, it's just not over yet, right? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <game. laughs> Plenty more episodes for you to fall in love with Travis. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. <laughs> all right, so, all right, so good question, actually. So you're trying to start a study group in your clinic, which is great. I, I've done this a bunch. I've started these journal clubs. I guarantee you, Dave has too, but I haven't <laughs> gotten that far yet. <laughs> right. So I, well, so I was just gonna say that I feel like I was the only one interested all the time. Like yeah. you make the students do it, even though they don't really want to do it like and and that type of thing so I, I know so I want to hear what you guys have done in past clinics obviously and Lenny and I have worked together a bunch and you know I kind of want to hear Mike's perspective from school because you do study groups in school quite a bit I know our friend Dan Lorenz who we love to give shout outs on this he puts pictures on Twitter all the time of him and his group doing journal articles but their approach is interesting and I want to think of that they're doing a chart review and then talking about it which I, you know I don't I, I think there's pros and cons to that I think what the pros is super relevant the cons are 
I wonder if people are going to be a little skittish to talk about that. It's almost like mm-hmm. saying, well, you're not doing it right, or mm-hmm. there's a better way to do it, um, you know, that type of thing. So I like the idea, but like versus, you know, a chart review versus just like a timely journal article thing, I think you can pick and choose the topics that the staff's interested in. Have like one person like, like be in charge each month. So Dan's got this month. Dan loves to do cartwheels, right? So he's gonna oh, he's gonna find three relevant articles on cartwheels, and he's gonna trust me. He's gonna try to find those articles and then share them, and then everybody reads them and kind of gets together. So you know that would be my suggestion, but I don't know. Let's maybe start Len. Like I don't know. Have you yeah, done anything? I like the concept. I like it because we did that in, in Birmingham. We did a mortality morbidity type meeting where once a month we would present a patient. Um, it's typically a medical patient, so the docs would present something that went wrong, a knee replacement that got infection or a rotator cuff where the shoulder fell off the body. I don't know, I just made that up, but something where the docs had to reassess what they did and come up with a what we what would we what should we have done differently or what do you guys think we should do or should have done. So I kinda like that. You just have, you have to be comfortable as a team to be able to um, give your opinion and not be offended by it because there's multiple ways to you know, get the person better, multiple ways to treat them. So I think it's good to kind of get everybody chatting about it and presenting the research on that person. So I, I kind of like that idea. Dave, yeah. what did you do? I like the case study one. We used to do uh, one review on like a current concept article, like something that's like trending kind of on social media or like in which like blood flow or uh, at the time it was like Achilles tendon off the eccentrics. Like we used to take like a couple of case study articles and review them and be like, okay, like what does it mean to us? Does it matter for our population? How would we use it practically? Right. You know, that kind of stuff. And then one person per month, like you said, would pick whatever they were interested in. It's usually based off a patient, though, like someone struggling with like a, an issue. That's pretty. If you follow Dave on Instagram, he has a journal club of one <laughs> on his own on Saturdays. It's about Sundays. four to five a.m. on Saturday. <laughs> Sunday uh, too, man. Pounding coffee. Well, I, I, would, I will say we kind of do an online version of it to an extent. It's not formal. We definitely don't do that, but we have a you know an internal communication system we use it at uh, at Champion here. But Slack, it's a pretty com- common popular app. But we use that there. But we have a whole channel on education. And, and if somebody finds a good article on like blood flow restriction, which we did this morning, they'll throw it on there, and then we'll just we'll chatter about it. So that's another way to do it too, because you know sometimes scheduling an hour you know in the week is hard to do. But what do you guys do, Dan? Well, I was just going to reiterate what you guys have really said. I think at the last book I was at didn't do a great job of that, and I was a little bit, I don't know, sometimes at loss. I wish we had more of that, to be honest. What we did is I'd just be really excited about something, and I'd try to talk to people that are close in the clinic. I think that was helpful, and that's been really nice now is that, you know, we're all into blood flow a little bit. It's hot topic. We're reading research, bouncing ideas off each other, and it happens in real time, you know, which is cool because someone will throw up a research article, we'll read that, okay, it's another piece, it's thrown through a system, and then we're just trying to incorporate into a regular practice, and it happens pretty organically. Nice. You know? So, Mike, from your perspective, I'm sure you had some study groups in college, right, just trying to get through <laughs> yeah. boards and stuff like that. From, from your perspective as a new grad that's entering the system, you know, we talked about a few different models. We talked about, like, Lenny's M&M and what they – Kind of what they kind of did, uh, you know, chart review versus you know topical type thing. What what do you think's best for someone earlier in their career that you know that has a lot of options? But what, what would you like a journal club to be? Well, I mean, just speaking from experience and studying for the boards, um, we got together in groups, and I think it promotes accountability, which is really important. And then also, uh, everyone kind of has their own interpretation of what they read. Um, and everyone brings something unique to the table. So I think the group environment is excellent in that regard. Um, everyone just kind of throws around ideas, bounces them around, and I think you can learn a lot that way. So I think group environment is, is definitely um, key. And then 
being able to have someone a little more experienced in reading research, you can kind of break down the methods and break down, you know, all the statistical analysis. I think that's super important as well because I think a lot of people, um, new grads myself, I get confused. That's not my strong suit. I think it would be helpful to have someone who knows that a little bit better so, like, you can interpret those results more meaningfully and make your, generate your own opinion. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, there's sometimes we'll pick apart some methods and, and maybe not like a study as much just because we've gone through it, so... Yeah that, yeah, that actually makes sense. I think I like making that. it fun, too. So accountability, because you know the group's going to meet, but then also, like, maybe you go for bear and wings. And people want to go because now it's bear and wings, but then now you're also accountable because, you know, I know... Dan, well, the P-values on this... Dan, uh, Dan, Dan Lorenz at KC Rehab Expert Fitness, whatever he is, um, they do it in the clinic, which is, to me, tremendous, but we also we did it um, at, at somebody's house. Yeah, So where we just get pizza, you know, you bring a few drinks of your choice and just kind of yeah. hang out. Seltzer, it fun. Water, yeah, great, great, yeah. great for the culture, right? right. Great for, like, a learning environment. So we're pro doing it, I yeah. guess. So. Awesome. Great episode. Would really appreciate it. Head to MikeRinald.com, click on that podcast link, ask us a bunch of questions. Uh, anything related to fitness, PT, business, sports, performance, baseball, gymnastics, CrossFit, golf now. Mike Scaduto loves golf. We're going to be doing more golf stuff like that. We're going to be getting going. Uh, ask us some questions, and we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeRinald.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeReynolds.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.